in a sermon series entitled, My Life Verse. And uh, I don't know why this is, but uh, the person whose life verse it is, is not here today. She's here every Sunday except the Sunday that I'm going to preach on her life verse. That's Cecilia Walker. I don't know why these people don't check their schedules with me in advance. I'm not going to put this on. But she gave me permission to tell you why this passage is her favorite. Cecilia memorized this psalm when she was a kid, and many times at different seasons in her life, different phrases from this psalm would come to her mind right when she needed it the most. When someone who had some power over her was treating her very badly, she uh, thought, the Lord is my shepherd, not you. Another time when she didn't know how she was going to get herself out of an ongoing and difficult circumstance, she turned her head and she looked out of a car window as it was winding its way up a hill, and she looked over the landscape, and this psalm came to her as a reminder that God was there and she didn't have to be afraid. Scripture that we tuck into our heart will come back to us in specific situations. And Lori just talked about that herself. Scripture comes at the right time. Those words are God speaking to our particular circumstance. So we're going to say Psalm 23 all together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are ways that we describe our relationship to God, and if you were writing a psalm, what would you put in that first phrase? The Lord is my... What word would you use? Think about it. The Lord is my blanket on a cold, rainy night. Sometimes we need that kind of a comforter. We talk, we're saying about a comforter, but that's, uh, sometimes we need that kind. The Lord is my boss. Of course, that's for pastors. But I don't know, you might, that, that might be true of you too. Anybody think of anything? The Lord is my provider. Mm -hmm. Guardian. Guardian. Mm -hmm. Teacher. Mm -hmm. What? Help. My everything, my protection. My everything, my protection. My strong tower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My anchor. My strength. 
The Lord is my vending machine. I thought about that one. I put a prayer in and press a button and I get what I pray for. Is that what we think of God? No. We can sometimes think of something that is not quite biblical in that, in that line. The Lord is my pilot. That's a statement of submission. The Lord is my friend, my father. The Lord is my mother. There are so very many ways that the Bible describes God. And then there are still more ways that we tend to think about God. In our familiar psalm, there will be two metaphors for God, and they will be very personal. Other psalms talk about God as a rock, a shield, a defender. But in Psalm 23, the two descriptions of God are intimate and personal. And it will, th those descriptions will call upon us to see our daily activities in a radically God-centered perspective that challenges our usual way of thinking. So think about your life, your everyday living of your life, and how this psalm impacts you to think in God-centered ways about your life. At every phrase, we will have to reflect, but do I live as though I really believe this? Do I trust God to be who his word describes him to be? Starting with the very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, it wasn't unusual that kings were called shepherds of their people, and it wouldn't be unusual to attribute to God the duties of a shepherd to protect and to guide and provide. But my shepherd, that personal, intimate way of talking about God, that was unique to King David when he first wrote these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the truth is, I do want. I want a lot that I don't have right now. Some translations say it this way, I have everything that I need. Well, there's a big difference between a want and a need. And that's part of the calculus, the challenge of this verse. Another translation says, I shall lack nothing. So immediately you see in verse 1, our mind has to grapple with our sense of comfort, our entitlement, our materialism, our dreams versus reality because our wants can grow unbridled. And we can compare ourselves to others and find ourselves wanting what they have. We're told over and over again in our society that we should have more, that we are deprived because we don't have more, and that our existence is defined by how much we have. And we find we have to discipline ourselves to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a statement of trust in our Savior to say, everything that I need, my shepherd has given to me. And if he doesn't give me what I want, then that's not for me to have. But I always add to that thought, the qualifier right now. It's not for me to have right now because maybe my shepherd is asking me to wait on him to provide and later will be better. The first phrase of Psalm 23 is both a promise and a call to trust. By naming God as our shepherd, this psalm from the very first words has turned our attention away from ourselves as the center of the universe 
and back to God. And that act alone, the shift of perspective upward, that act of lifting our eyes to God brings us a measure already of peace and trust. And the next three verses will describe the shepherd who provides for, protects us, gives, gives us everything indeed that we need materially, spiritually, emotionally, the green pastures, the still waters, the right paths, the renewal and the restoration of the soul. Each phrase just builds up on the previous phrase. And if you could paint, can you now in your mind's eye see what colors would you use on your canvas for these first few verses? White and yellow for sunlight, bright blues, all the blues, the royal blue, the azure blue, the turquoise, the teal, the greens, all the greens, the lime green and forest green and matcha green and pistachio green, all of the still waters, all of the abundant pastures. How do you paint God meeting our everyday needs in the places and spaces where we actually live our lives daily? How do you paint the Lord restoring our soul? And this word can refer to our breath, our life, but it also can refer to that deepest soul connection to our creator. Does your soul get beaten down or dried out so that it needs restoration? Is your soul several sizes too small because it's been pummeled by circumstances, by temptations, by sins, by troubles, by mental health, by physical challenges? Has your soul been hammered simply by the fact that you're a follower of the Lord in America today and you don't much like all those other followers of the Lord out there or in here? Has your soul been pummeled by the uncomfortable changes in society or by living through and by losing in the pandemic? So many lost so much. Has your soul been pounded down so that upon inspection you find it quite flat and you have no resiliency left in it? My shepherd restores my soul. Cecilia says, my shepherd still feeds my soul. Do you paint, how do you paint God leading you down the right paths? because maybe you're in a crossroads and you could surely use your shepherd's guidance as to which decision is right for you. Maybe you're stopped in your path and you don't know your way forward and you need a door or a window open for you. Maybe you need a light turned on because it's gotten very dim and you can't see your way forward and you've tried all other avenues and you can't get ahead. You need your shepherd to make a path where there is no path. Or maybe you've walked yourself into a dead end and you need to get out. Or maybe you've strayed so far off God's right path that you can't even see it right now. Maybe you're afraid of the future and you need a shepherd leading the way ahead of you so you could have some assistance that the path forward is known to your shepherd and already scouted out by your shepherd who will provide for you. Let's look at this little image. Is this you? The shepherd's getting the sheep out of the ditch of mud. 
much need amazing grace, don't we? So very much need a shepherd who will get us out of the mud and the ditch and lead us in the right paths. He leads me. That phrase is used twice in this psalm in two verses, and we should know that that word lead has long, long roots that are planted back in our salvation history and in the exodus to Egypt so that when we see that word, he leads me, we should know that our powerful, awesome God leads away from slavery and into freedom, out of oppression and into victory. Cecilia Walker says, I used to think this meant he would show me each and every step, but now I understand that even when I cannot see clearly what's ahead, I am comforted when I remember that I can trust him. We can always, always trust where our shepherd leads us because our shepherd is also our savior. How do you paint the Lord as our shepherd who provides everything we need? It's a lovely resting place. Those first three verses where the grass is green and plentiful and the water is blue and crystalline where we are secure because of our shepherd, this is where we start to learn the trust that will be necessary to living the rest of our life because peace is not an escape from this world. Contentment is not complacency. This place of rest is prepared for us in order for us to face deep darkness, in order for us to face imminent attack. Because sadly, there's always a hardship that raises its ugly head. Life is a whack-a-mole game, and you deal with one problem, and another one crops up. And the next problem in the psalm isn't food and shelter, but next we have to deal with evil itself, our ultimate enemy, death. And we've gotten to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This verse is theologically and structurally the center of Psalm 23. It is the most memorized verse of the psalm, and it provides us with the greatest security. Following our shepherd does not mean that we get to escape from real life. And the escalation from verse 3 to verse 4 is like from 0 to 100. That quick. From peace and calm to death and evil. And this is the truth that is so poetically stated in the psalm. Even in the most life-threatening situation, God's provision and protection is sufficient for God is with us. Say that last line with me. Put me in there instead of us. God is with me. A great and glorious truth. And at this point of danger, the shepherd is no longer ahead to lead, but alongside an armed escort. The, the rod is, a, a, is like a cudgel, like a, like a stick that you hit people with. And the staff is for control, to keep, keep things away. 
keep the threat at bay. In the valley of the shadow of death, the pronoun for God changes from he, I'm talking about him, to you. I'm seeing you face to face, God, in the valley of the shadow of death. It's a terrible place, this valley of the shadow of death. We've walked this valley too many times in the pandemic. We walk alongside of others as companions and witnesses and loved ones. And even a short time in this valley marks us. The death of a beloved person grips us. Grief sinks its talons into us and we don't get to get away from grief quickly or easily. We don't get away unmarked. There are, of course, many kinds of deaths in one's lifetime. The death of innocence, the death of dreams, the death of love, the death by violence, death by betrayal, unfair, stealthy death when we're robbed before it is time, before we're ready to let go. There are many ways and many times that we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, and each one of them is terrible and diminishing and painful and angering. And one day it will be our turn to walk all the way through, through death ourselves. It will be our turn to die. And others can only walk part of that way with us. There's only one who can walk all the way through the valley of the shadow of death to the other side of death. Any other guide has to turn around and go back and the traveler must go alone. Now, King David couldn't know how God was going to walk us through death when he wrote these words. He was thinking of Yahweh, my shepherd. But we find Jesus, the Son of God, in that valley walking with us. Jesus, who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, who walked the path of full humanity and frailty and pain and suffering with us. Jesus, who died himself. So he already knows every ugly twist and every sharp rock in that pathway in the valley. His death makes his companionship all the more precious to us. He knows the feelings and the thoughts that we have as death approaches. He is with us with the result that we need fear no evil. His presence casts out fear. He will walk us all the way through. It's a long journey of trust. For there is a through. Life doesn't end in the valley of the shadow of death and neither does the psalm. There's something beyond death and we know that even as we struggle in this valley, our shepherd is guiding us to a more glorious destination. Now, have you ever traveled to Las Vegas at night? It's that kind of mountainous, dark and curvy road. And you turn that last corner and there is a powerful glow on the horizon that brightens the darkness. This is Las Vegas from space, from a distance. And heaven is absolutely nothing like Las Vegas. I hope you hear me well. The opposite, in fact. But coming out of the valley of the shadow of death is like coming out of darkness where there's nothing around but darkness and there seems to be no end 
to the darkness and the road twists and turns and finally all the way through the valley, rounding that corner, we see that bright light on the horizon. There's a destination through that valley. It's not just ending in the valley itself. And this is the promise of the last two verses. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now the metaphor changes from shepherd to host. The Lord throws open the door to his home upon my arrival. Can't you just see his smiling welcome? And he lays out the red carpet. Can you see the Lord fussing with the table decorations so that they're perfect? Can you see the Lord piling that table sky high with wonderful delicacies? He's the host who opens the door and says, Mi casa es su casa. He anoints my head with oil, a sign of blessing and belonging. My cup overflows, a sign of blessing prepared for me that has no end. The Lord is my wonderful host. And all of that abundance in the presence of my enemies, let us not forget that part. Cecilia Walker said to me, maybe you don't know this, Pastor Connie, but there are mean people out there. And this verse has kept me from responding in the same way. And I have seen the Lord, my shepherd, bless me in front of them. If we felt in the valley of the shadow of death that we were pursued by our enemies, here we are pursued because follow is way too wimpy of a word in Psalm 23. We are actively pursued by God's goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. So I don't know about you, but I need my daily needs met. I need my soul renewed because I find myself like that dumb sheep repeating the patterns that have not worked for me before, walking down paths that do not lead to health and well-being, and ending up in the ditch. I've tried many times before, so I should know better, but there I go again. So I need a shepherd. And when you finally found your shepherd, well, there is nothing like it. Oh, the joy of being able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you live as though you really believed that? Let's bow our heads. Our shepherd, our shepherd, we must be a burden to you, but you love to provide for us. You love to bless us. 
You love to pursue us with goodness and mercy. And sometimes you must just be wondering, why don't they turn to me? Why don't they turn to me? So we want to turn our hearts to you this morning to call you my shepherd. And maybe for someone, it may be the first time of saying, I want you to be my shepherd. I want to follow you because you lead in good paths. Lord, confirm that decision in our hearts. Confirm that direction in our hearts. And bring to mind this scripture, Lord, when we are starting to stray or when we are afraid that our needs won't be met when we need your provision, Lord, speak to us through the scripture so that we will know that you are our personal shepherd. And we as a church want to be guided at Altadena Baptist Church that you, Lord Jesus, are the shepherd of Altadena Baptist Church. Collectively, we want you to guide us. So we pray that you would confirm this in us and give us joy in following you. In Jesus' name, amen.